Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Truth Podcast with Calvin Olivas. Hope everyone's having a great one out there. It's a very beautiful Friday afternoon as I record this podcast. So to anyone and everyone listening in anywhere and everywhere in the world, I bid you a very happy Friday, very great end to the work week. And um, boy, oh boy, aren't we just happy to get through into February 2021. A lot of exciting things going on in the world. A lot of fantastic developments going on throughout the West, throughout the East, the North and the South. We have a lot of things developing on the earth right now. God is moving in ways that we can't even fathom, we can't even comprehend. And it is awesome. It's great because once his masterpiece is finished, well, we'll be able to say, oh, wow, that was totally factored into his plan for me, for my family, for my future, for the future of the world. You know, we do these little things every now and then where we just say, you know, that didn't really, today didn't really matter. Or yesterday didn't really matter. Or a week ago, it didn't really matter what I was doing because I don't remember. But later on, when we've accomplished something great and big and huge, we look back on those little moments and we say, wow, God really was there for me. God really motivated me. God really helped me through that time, inspired me through that time, pushed me forward when I thought I couldn't keep on going. He gave me life when I thought I had none left. It was really, really amazing stuff, Uh, especially when you factor in, obviously, that you believe in God and that he's always moving you with a purpose. There's never a time in your life where you're not generated into some form of plot, right? I always say God is a great storyteller. He's the best storyteller ever. There is not a single detail or fact that he underlooks, overlooks. He just looks at it perfectly. He knows why this happens today, why you didn't get the job today, why you didn't get the girl yesterday, why you didn't hang out with your friends the other day. There's always a purpose. There's always a reason why things happen. And when you feel, when you have that kind of thinking laid out to you, given to you by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when he gives you that kind of thinking, it makes life so much easier, makes you feel so much better about everything that's going on. It makes you think, wow, I may not understand why this is happening to me right now, but I know it has a purpose, and I know this purpose is ultimately to fulfill God's destiny, God's will over my life, God's purpose over my my very being. So that's really cool. It's really fantastic to really view the world that way. I know a lot of us uh, who see non-believers out there, they're very depressed right now, they're very anxious, they're very focused on the negative. Especially if you look at the mainstream news right now, the fake news, you see a lot of negativity out there, and it's just repulsive at times, right? It's just so disgusting, you don't even want to look at it sometimes. You're like, oh my gosh, how can people be so negative all the time? How do they not get anxious watching this, these atrocities, these horrendous things happening on the news every single day? every single minute of the day of the week. It's terrible. You know, it's, it's just like, well, no wonder you're depressed. You're, you're immersing yourself. You're immersing your world in this very, very dark and demonic place. You know, not just the news, but what the news incorporates and how they live their life. Obviously, when they don't have God in their life, well, of course, you're going to be depressed. You know, studies actually show that religious people are less likely to be stressed, less likely to be anxious. And less likely to commit suicide. You know why? Because they actually believe in a God that cares for them, that loves them, that places value in them. I have a lot of family members who don't believe in God. And they're probably the most depressed people in my family. You know, not my immediate family. I'd say more my extended family. But you have these people who are like, I don't need God. Oh, God doesn't exist. That's just a myth, you know. And they're always the ones stoned out of their minds, especially at parties, (laughs) claiming they're having a good time, but they need a substance to get them through, right? 
or they're always drunk. They're always needing to get drunk to have a good time. And it's like, dude, do you really, do you really believe what you're saying when you say that you don't need God? Because it kind of seems like you're trying to fill a void here that only God can fill. And one of those kinds of voids, unfortunately, and really um, just speaking in general here, a lot of those voids are filled, especially for young men. Uh, and even within the Christian church, especially within the Christian church, uh, those voids are filled through the action of viewing and taking part in pornography. Christians watch a lot of porn. At some point or another, every single man in the Christian church, and I've been in the Christian church all my life, so I have a good gauge of knowing how and just how that spirit operates, the spirit of pornography and, and addiction and just those demons. Every single man in the Christian church has watched porn. It's all over the place in every facet imaginable, disguised as parts of shows on Netflix for the whole company, or the, sorry, the whole family to experience, on, or on Twitter to help stimulate you when you're scrolling through your feed. And in the darkest corners of the internet, which have become mainstream for a lot of us in the world, and particularly those of us who proclaim to be Christians. You can find all kinds of it too, anything from uh, straight porn to incestuous reenactments between actors to homosexual porn to orgies among a selection of men and women to home videos of men and women raping others. This depravity has no end and has some fine donations from those in our society with the most amount of money to spend lavishly on such productions. CBN News, a Christian broadcasting uh, organization for news, obviously, broke a story a couple of years back that alleged the notion that certain big tech companies fund huge porn sites, hence their free access to much of the public. These organizations are working on behalf of the devil to silence the purity God has called us to, to strive for in him. And unfortunately, the data shows the serpent has achieved a good chunk of his aims amidst our own ranks. A study conducted by the Barna Group in 2014, this is very interesting here, it shows that 65% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women admitted to viewing porn at least once a month, compared to 65% of non-Christian men and 30% of non-Christian women. Of that 65% of men who said they'd viewed porn at least once a month, 79% were in between the age of 18 through 30, and 29% of the whole said they view it daily. That's a lot. In a study conducted by Pew Research in 2016, we are told that 54% of Americans, well, we would consider around the boomer generation and Gen X adults, view porn as bad compared to only 32% of millennial and Gen Z groupings. Again, 54% of Americans, we would consider boomers and Gen Xers, view porn as a bad thing for society. Only 32% of millennial and Gen Z groupings thought the same thing. Younger Americans, according to this same study, say they have neutral accepting and even encouraging conversations about porn with their friends. To be more specific, 90% of teens surveyed were deemed accepting and encouraging on the issue, while 96% of young adults felt the same. Just 1 in 10 teens and 1 in every 20 young adults report ever talking with their friends about porn in a disapproving way. 17% of young adults believe porn is bad, meaning 83% of people aged 18 to 24 believe there is no harm to come from watching sexually explicit and graphic imagery. Only 16% of teens believe porn is harmful. According to the research, more teens view not recycling as more immoral than viewing pornography. 
This is not a joke. You guys can look up this study on Pew's website, and I'll provide a link to the website in the description of this podcast when I release it. But more young Americans view recycling, uh, I'm sorry, not recycling, as more immoral than watching porn, which tells you a lot about where our priorities are. Uh, just, it, it shouldn't make you, you know, laugh, but I mean, it's one of those things where if you don't laugh, you'll cry, I guess. Um, one in three Americans seek out porn once a month, according to Pew, and six to 12% of Americans aged 13 and older view it daily. Pew also makes special note to Christian leaders on their website that Christian teen and young adult males in the church are the third most likely group to use porn with four in 10 of them actively seeking it out at least once or twice a month. That may not seem like a lot for a lot of people, but I will suggest envisioning the young adult group you attend and thinking of 10 men in that group and then picturing four of them who are, if not outright porn addicts, seek it out often enough. It's a very eerie thought, and yet one that is never discussed by church leaders who should be combating this issue in the body of Christ. Now, there are disputes among people about what constitutes porn. And in many ways, these so-called quote-unquote disputes are just ways of trying to go around a central problem that has gone unchecked in the Christian church for far too long. Is it sexually explicit material that constitutes porn, people ask? Or is it only considered pornography when there is sexual intercourse involved? Or is it when there are actual sexual acts involved outside of intercourse? Is the pornography intended to arouse the viewer? Is it really porn if it doesn't have full nudity? Now, for people having a tough time with all those questions, let me make it very clear. In God's book, even looking at someone with lustful intent is a crime against his law for us as humans to live by. That is told to us by the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew 5.28 when he tells his followers, But I say to you that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desire for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That statement alone sets the bar pretty high for all of us, male or female, who are trying to justify our use of pornography in these last days. And the Bible sets this standard high in the area of sexuality in general because God knows how he wired humans and what tempts us more than most anything else in the world. It's why he refers to sin, most oftentimes in his word, as acts of seduction and adultery committed against him. He holds sexual sin in a different light because of the stranglehold this perversion has on humans. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul warns them in the 6th chapter and the 18th verse by saying, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Sexual sin, for those of you who have experience in it, who may be tuned into the podcast, is an anchor. It holds in the worst way, in the worst way. It's not like how God is an anchor. No, not, not, not at all. It's an anchor in the worst way. It holds you down. It won't let you steer in the right direction as a vessel for God and actually weighs on your heart and mind in ways you would never have even imagined. People leave their spouses and relationships over porn use. And not only because of the moral rot it causes in the human being that consumes it, but the physical consequences that come from it. I was watching a a TED Talk recently, and although I'm not one for listening to the usual nonsense espoused on the company's platform, I stumbled upon a 17-minute video of a young woman that was talking sense regarding pornography. Curious as to what she had to say, I clicked on the video and heard her out as she began to explain that the same parts of the brain used to release dopamine in response to drug use are the same parts of the brain triggered when accessing and viewing porn. 
She went on to also point out that people who view pornography frequently begin to experience actual cognitive differences in response to graphic stimuli of a sexual nature when they were presented with it, meaning it was tougher for them to be aroused by common sexual subject matter like others who did not view porn. This is to say that porn numbs those who use it. It distorts and perverts them quite literally from the holy experience God designed sex and sexuality to come packaged in. Those experiences are to solely come from the union we are to have with our partner of the opposite sex in marriage. Genesis 2.24 says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his, I'm sorry, his wife and they become one flesh. God designed marriage to have us experience the fullness of his sexual design in the sanctity of a single organized structure. And I know this may sound weird or for a very lawless and unbelieving generation like ours that paints promiscuity as the best thing humans can take part in. We have filthy spirits channeled into the likes of Cardi B telling us that women are players, quote unquote, when they sleep with multiple women uh, or men, either which one. <laughs> and Megan Thee Stallion directing our young women to succumb to their passions in a light that is not only disgraceful to God, but totally dishonoring to their own creation. These people tell our women of worth to throw that worth out the window and become whores and less than prostitutes because it somehow liberates them. In the same breath, we have countless male rappers and so-called stars parroting the line that you're a playboy and a stud if you go around sleeping around with a bunch of women. These worldly people are being used by the devil to fool Christians like us who may come into contact with such immoral spirits into believing that sexual perversion and immorality is the norm. And if it's normal, then there must not be anything bad with it. It's the oldest trick the devil has ever used. And yet he continues to use it against us because many Christians are not well-schooled in the word of God and possess little faith to combat his flimsy attacks. We should know the truth. Many of us do. And still... We go against God's will anyway. We know possessing elements of a promiscuous spirit is not in our moral obligation as Christians, and that it is not in our God's ultimate purpose to have us indulge in the actions the world promotes, actions such as seeking out any type of lust and desire, but particularly in this instance, porn. Ephesians 5.3 says, But sexual immorality and a, I'm sorry, but sexual morality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. We are called to be saints. And though we are imperfect and weak because of our human nature, we are told to ask God for his guidance and advising hand in all facets of our lives to strengthen our resolve and knowledge in the fact that we have redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of what took place on the cross. Let us be men and women of action who will stand for values, principles, morals, ethics, standards of a heavenly order, so as to refrain the weak hand of evil from sweeping each and every single one of us into an abyss for all of eternity. We always talk about the devil being weak, and yet we constantly fall for his tricks. So what does that say about us? Without the will of God governing our footsteps and lighting our paths, my friends, we are but dust being tossed in the wind wherever it blows. We must come to unify under our Creator and give Him His due in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotions, and most importantly, in our actions. By this, we demonstrate the power faith in Him has over the rulers and principalities of this world. Let's get aligned with what God calls us to be and forget the lust of the flesh, for it is the flesh that dooms us to hell. Now, folks, this may come as a huge shock to all of you, but... Uh, <laughs> All that is truth. I mean, it may be 
tough for some of us to stomach. I know, uh, particularly, and look at those uh, studies. The truth is a very plainly laid out there, especially for young Christian men listening in. I've, I have, um, uh, well, in my time in, in youth, I have, uh, well, I mean, it's not lying. It's not lying uh, what it's saying about Christian men in particular, uh, mainly because women are affected differently by sexuality. This is why this, I guess this lesson is more focused on the men because men are wired differently than women, surprise, surprise, and therefore are affected differently when viewing certain subjects such as sex and sexuality differently than if a woman is to process that same information. Men really struggle with uh, lust, really struggle with the sins of the flesh more so than uh, say women do. Not saying that women can't suffer from those, any of those things. Obviously sin is sin and it'll affect anybody. There are nymphomaniacs in all shapes and all sizes. Believe me, you know, we, we all know this. We all know this, but in particular, men are drawn to pornography more so than women. You saw the numbers 65 or you heard the numbers anyway, 65% of Christian men in the church have admitted to using porn. Meaning, that there are about, what well, I'm not good on math here, but I'd say 35%, there you go, 35% of men in the Christian church who have not admitted to using porn, but they still have at some point or another, when they were younger, when they were probably starting off in church, they thought it wasn't bad, maybe they're still doing it right now, they just didn't want to admit it. Porn is a very shameful subject for a lot of people, and rightfully so. That is one thing I did see in the research, that a lot of these men and women of faith were actually more convicted when they used porn than were people of the world who did not believe in God, did not believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, people of the world did not feel conviction, did not feel any kind of guilt when they were done watching whatever they were watching to um, achieve a, a, some kind of stimulation or, or arousal. Those people did not. Christians, on the other hand, a majority of them did feel conviction and did feel guilt. And you should. That's a very positive thing. That means that God is still prompting your spirit. The Holy Spirit is still working inside of you and saying, don't do that. Don't watch that. Don't click on that video. Don't even look up that website. That's the Holy Spirit prompting our hearts and saying, nope, nope, nope. Because once you go down that road of pornography, it is a very slippery slope. I've heard men who do watch pornography and their speech towards women, just other people in general, is less empathic. They sound like they're talking about people, uh, people that aren't even people, that they're objects instead. It's a very sickening and very sad thing to watch and hear and experience because uh, this happened to me just recently where they are literally talking about what they will do to that person uh, in this weird fantasy that they've made up like on the spot in their head because they're so twisted in the way they think because pornography, like any sin, twists and perverts, but in a way that other sin, I believe, just does not. Uh, we even saw it, I told you guys in the research about that TED Talk where they had scans of brains of people who watch pornography as opposed to people who do not watch pornography and they gave them graphic material of a sexual nature to monitor and the brains of the people who did watch pornography were less aroused than the brains of people who did not ever watch pornography or hardly ever watched it or never really cared to watch it because it just didn't turn them on for some reason or another. But that is scary because once you start seeing violent graphic images of any kind and you become numb to it, 
Uh, I heard my my uh, my friend one time. He recently uh, told me this. He said that he said that, you know porn kills you on the inside. He's not even a Christian, I believe, but he just said that in general, pornography kills you on the inside, and I totally believe that. Because, oh, obviously, the brain scans show you that. Research tells you that. And if you just have ever watched porn for a good majority of time, I think you will possibly come away with the same conclusions. <laughs> that you will find yourself maybe um, uh, being less empathic to individuals. Not even, like, sexualizing them. But just coming away believing that everyone is stupid. Believing that everyone is worthless. And you're only getting this uh, kind of thinking because you're watching these images and, and these videos and these pictures. It's mainly videos now because the whole picture imagery thing, the whole Playboy era of having a magazine and, you know, having um, having a, you know, whatever, a fetish or a fantasy with a magazine. That's kind of uh, out the door now. It's more, I mean, it's all over the place. There's all kinds of websites now that you can go to. Uh, places that, like I said, are on the dark web. But they're not really dark anymore. They're kind of like right up in the spotlight and people like freely. I've heard I've been in conversations with uh, some people where they're freely discussing like which site has the best porn uh, uh, videos. And it's one of those very uncomfortable situations where, you know, you're just hanging out and all of a sudden you like tune in for a second about what conversation is happening over here. And then you're like, whoa, I didn't. Whoa. OK, what are we talking about over here? And then they're just talking about it really, really freely. And like like even the research again suggests Anyone, especially dudes, I'm talking to you guys really primarily, you guys know what the research is saying. You guys know that a lot of guys talk very, almost like dismissive about the negative effects. They talk very dismissingly about the negative effects of uh, pornography on society in general. They kind of, if they don't encourage you to do it, they're just kind of like, it's, it's a natural acceptance that we all watch porn. And that's a very sad thing, especially with within Christian circles, because that's like, woof, you know, and this also is in line with skewed teaching. The church has kind of lost the war on gay marriage. They've lost the war on uh, other forms of sexuality coming in and just really permeating and really infiltrating uh, the church of God, the body of Christ. And I guess they're going to lose, they're trying to lose this battle, or they're trying to even say that they've lost the battle on pornography in the church because it is so rampant. It's like a virus they can't control. It's like COVID, except you really, I mean, it's contagious in a way that it's just, it's just sin. Sin is naturally contagious. And especially among the church this is what people don't get. When you're a Christian, you join a church or you just are part of the body of Christ. Now, as a Christian, you're trying to read your word. You're trying to pray. You're trying to, you're doing all the things that, the Bible tells you to do in order to seek out God and his will and his purpose for your life and seek out direction, it actually becomes harder for you to do that because now the devil has you on his radar. He didn't have you on his radar when you were just watching porn and just doing your whole thing and just like just living your life how you wanted to live it. But now that you're tuned off to sin, now that you turned off the screen, now that you started treating people better, now that you stopped mouthing off to your mom and dad, now that you finally tried to make, make a real effort to refocus your life, Danny's like, oh, dude, got to shut that down before it gets any bigger. And that's how he thinks. That's how he works. That's how he operates because he sees the light. He hates the light and he wants to quell that and shove you right back in the darkness. And porn is darkness. Sin is darkness and sexual sin, as Paul writes, is the worst sin because it's a sin against your body. And it's very literally, I mean, you look at um, how that affects your brain just seeing that. 
and then actually going and, and working out these. Uh, I saw Ted Bundy. Really, I mean, uh, this was a couple of years back. Uh, I saw, I heard about Ted Bundy a while, while, while back. And he actually blamed a lot of his killings on pornography. Go look at this interview. It's with Dr. James Dobson. He's a Christian uh, leader and minister. He's uh, he's a, I believe he's a psychologist or a clinical mental health professional of some kind. But either way, he was allowed to interview Ted Bundy, this notorious serial killer in American history, on the last day of his life, because the next day in the morning they were going to kill him. They were going to execute him because he was already in prison. So he's, it's about a 30-minute video, and he's talking to Ted, and he said, you know, pretty much, Ted, like, what inspired you to go out and, and kill these women in a very brutal and very just tragic and very sexual way. Uh, and Ted Bundy threw it on porn. He pretty much said, you know, uh, I was introduced to pornography at a very young age. I became infatuated with it. I became obsessed with it to the point where I had to act out these fantasies. But I couldn't find myself being aroused by just like typical fantasies. It was it became more of a, you know, more... Uh, uh, graphic, more uh, disturbing fantasies. And to the point where that's where, I mean, he ended up killing, I think it was, a, he admitted to about 30 murders of women across the United States. And um, even a little 12 year old girl in Florida, go look, don't have to look this up. You really shouldn't have to go look this up. I'm telling you this right now because I'm using Ted Bundy as an example. And he did say that he was a converted Christian afterwards, but I mean, I would hope so. I don't know, though, because he was kind of a nut job, too. So only God really knows where Ted Bundy ended up. But the point is that you can really develop a lot, a lot of, oof, a lot of evil pull from just watching pornography. It's, it's amazing the rabbit holes humans can go down when you really train your life around uh, sin, especially sexual sin. And in many cases, this happens to, uh, I was talking to a recent, uh, well, to, a, I guess, a colleague, he's a mental health professional as well. And he said that he's found that in certain instances of porn addiction, which is not a real addictive disorder in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for uh, Mental Disorders for the United States, um, porn addiction is not labeled as an addictive disorder. But he said that it very well should be, and like many mental health professionals of the day, believe that it should be because he said that people become so addicted and so wrapped up in porn that they will legitimately restructure their whole day. This is insane. They'll restructure their whole day to fit the times they can go and view porn. If that isn't addictive or addicting or addicted behavior, I don't know what is. That is massively, I mean, I can't even, I, I can't comprehend because humans definitely are capable of such things, but it's just, it shows you, it goes to show you the pervasiveness of sin and where it can lead to. And like I said, it destroys lives. It destroys families. It destroys marriages. I've had uh, people tell me that they've had to leave their boyfriend or girlfriend because they were addicted to pornography so much so that they couldn't even uh, become uh, aroused or uh, they kind of like fell out of love with their uh, significant other because of pornography. They just felt unmoved with their, they felt porn did them more of a service than an actual human being. 
And so this is really crucial, folks, especially I'm talking to uh, Christians and specifically really talking to Christian men because this is a huge, huge problem in the Christian church. We have to get this under control. It is very difficult. I understand addiction is not a joke. It is a very serious disorder among the population, but it's a disorder, meaning that you can reorder it. You can correct it. It's not a disease. People want to call this uh, addiction and uh, addictive disorders diseases of the mind. No, you can reorder it. If you caused it, you can definitely uncause it or not even uncause it because you can't unsee a lot of the things that you've probably seen on porn, on porn websites, vice versa. You know, you think about it. You've seen a lot of things perhaps or uh, you can reframe your thinking. You can choose to put God first in your life to let Jesus take the wheel, in a sense, and have him navigate you and steer you away from those terrible influences that may be causing your life to erupt and fall apart. Pornography is no joke, guys. It may be like a, a funny little, uh, you know, maybe good for a funny quip when you're at, a, when you're at a, a party or something and you guys are hanging out and you guys just, you know, somebody just thro- throws that out there. But it leads to some very, very disturbing, and that's a nice way to put it, very negative behavior. And I don't see where uh, we can have a Christian church in the future justifying the use of pornography within the body of Christ because the body of Christ is called the body of Christ because it is sanctified in the blood of Christ, which is all holy and all powerful. So when you allow that kind of perversion and sickness into the church, it's a very, 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 you corrupt the church. You cannot have, that, uh, dad, well, yeah, he is our dad. God has a zero tolerance policy on sin in the church of any kind, especially sexual sin. We can't have this compromise with the world. There is no compromise in God's language and God's understanding of the universe. It's God's way or hell. That's all it is. It really is that simple. And for people saying, wow, so me uh, becoming aroused or, or, or stimulating uh, certain parts of, of myself on behalf of watching a porn, that's going to send me to hell? Yeah, that is going to send you to hell. Because you can't be, I mean, what did the scriptures say? What did Jesus say? For you to have committed adultery is to just look at somebody with lustful eyes. And that's what pornography is. That's why Jesus, that's why the Bible is so good, man. Because Jesus said that over 2,000 years ago, it has never been more relevant for this kind of topic today. He didn't, I mean, yes, he did know the internet was going to come into fruition, but nobody else could have. The way he phrased it was just so perfect. If you look at somebody with lustful eyes, you know you've committed sin in the eyes of God. That's amazing. Who would have, I mean, I would have just, I mean, there's other ways to drive that point home, but the way he did it ensures that we can never justify sexual sin of any kind. Just looking at someone with lustful eyes is a sin. So that sets the bar pretty high, as I said earlier. This sets the standard pretty high for all of us who are trying to justify and trying to get away with committing sin in the eyes of God by saying, you know, these are natural sexual urges. These are natural things that happen with men and women. Um, it's, it's guys, we have to put a halt to that. That's just flat out wrong, flat out wrong. You commit, um, sexual acts within the confines of, like I said, the sexual structure that God designed to be all perfect within marriage. That's where you can 
obviously experience those, those pleasures of sexuality within the confines of your marriage. Uh, and like I said, pornography has ripped marriages apart. <laughs> that, that shows you like, man, that's like, it's, it's no joke, man. It's no joke. And then it, you lead into all kinds of other stuff. It's not good. The point is, as long as you put God first, and like I said, it's not easy, but it is easy when you know that you serve an all-powerful creator. When you serve the God who is in control of your life, who loves you, who cares for you, who has a purpose for your life, when you give him that kind of control, it's not even that hard to do so because you realize, wow, I'm giving it to someone, to a being, to an all-perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing being that knows me, that created me, that knows my flaws, but believes in my weaknesses. He's the best father you could ever have. But we have to trust him in every single area of our lives. And that is especially true in the area of sexuality. I know, like I said earlier, a lot of us in this day and age, we're told that sexuality is, you know, pretty much just bend it and work it to whatever kind of mm, preference you would like. You know, are you bi? Are you gay? Are you ambidextrous? That type of thing, you know? <laughs> ambidextrous is, you know, obviously used the wrong word. It's, it was on purpose. Anyway, the point is that you can use it, you can do you can be pansexual, demisexual, all these kinds of, of false sexualities. But, and very demonic sexualities. These are all sexualities straight out of hell. But if you truly believe in the God of the universe, you cannot ever conform your mind to that kind of thinking. You can never compromise because God never compromises. He gets what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's the God you serve, and that's the God you represent. So you cannot, in good faith, say you're a Christian and watch pornography. It's got to stop right there. It's got to stop with you even thinking about, what am I going to look up tonight? Who am I going to surround myself with? Who's going to give me an idea? No, you, 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 can't, you can't do any of that. You have to separate yourself from worldly thinking by immersing yourself in godly scripture, in the word of God. You know, you, you got an urge. That's really, you want to talk about addiction. I do know a little bit about that. I, I drink four sodas a day. Fun fact for you guys. I drink four sodas a day and I have done so for the past two years. It sounds pretty minor, but if it wasn't soda, it'd be something else. I've very much learned that about myself. Uh, good or bad, it's just, it is what it is. I have those kinds of personalities where I have to have this every single day and that's what it is, you know? Uh, you can replace your impulse to go to those websites to access pornography with accessing something positive. Go watch a YouTube video of a preacher preaching, you know? that Or go write down... Uh, a verse and then write down what it means to you and then or be in prayer with God there are ways to subvert addiction into healthy addiction there's no such thing as um, people always say you know addiction is addiction addiction is bad but if you actually move yourself there's a way to kind of move away from negative addiction and go into a bit of positive addiction where it doesn't interfere with your life so badly where it actually helps your life you know you can never really have too much of God you really, it's not how that's designed. You know, God is like supposed to just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. But you have to put time and effort into that gift. Because if you don't, it's really, you're not cultivating anything. You're not growing anything. Nothing is moving there, you know. So, uh, I leave you guys now. Hopefully, uh, this was a, I know porn can be a very touchy subject in, in church. Um, for many reasons, obviously. 
But I think it's important we talk about it because we're just like fighting this cold war with porn and not really even fighting it. We're pretending it's not even happening. You know, it's more like the war in Afghanistan at this point. It's kind of like, yeah, we still have troops there. Yeah, they're still there. I don't know why, though. It's just kind of like the same thing with porn in the church. We have to be knowledgeable of the fact that, hey, we've come up short in this area as men and women of faith to combat the spirit of pornography in the church. We have to continue to assault it. At every single turn, we have to assault it because once you let your foot off the gas, it is not good for the church. You have to keep on combating sin with scripture until it is relinquished from the body of Christ. And that is my hope and prayer that we do that as Christians as we move forward. Um, go follow us on Facebook at Calvin Olivas once again. Go follow us on Instagram at Olivas Calvin. And um, leave us comments. Leave us um, some feedback. I know, uh, again, this is a very interesting subject. And um, it does leave some people uncomfortable. But again, we must, we must counter sin outright. And so the world can see that we're doing it. We can't just be willy-nilly about it because what kind of Christian are you if you're just going to be lukewarm? The scripture says you can't be a lukewarm Christian. You have to be open and out about your faith and open and out about denouncing sin in your life, in the church, and in the world. That's what people know. That's how people know that we're different. So again, go follow us on Facebook at Calvin Olivas. Go follow us on Instagram at Olivas Calvin. With that said, I'll see you guys in a couple days after the Super Bowl. We'll see what happens. Chicago, not Chicago, the Chiefs. I don't know how that happened. I guess the Chiefs and the Chiefs. Anyway, the point is Chiefs, Bucks, haven't watched football this whole year. I'm probably going to sit down and watch the Super Bowl, see what happens. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting one. I really kind of fell out of love with sports last year, a couple of years ago, when they were pushing all this political junk in, in there. So I just kind of haven't even been watching it. My, plus, my pants aren't even in the game. So why am I going to really root for anybody? But we'll see what happens. Mahomes, Brady, uh, Chris Evans. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Ronnie Jones, Bruce Arians versus Andy Reid, the reigning Super Bowl champion Chiefs, facing off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, have fun. Stay safe this weekend. I know Super Bowl weekend kind of gets people, you know, doing some pretty crazy things. It's kind of like Fourth of July around here uh, in America. So we'll see what happens. And um, uh, hopefully everyone stays safe and you guys can listen to the podcast after the Super Bowl. And with that said, you guys have a very awesome weekend. God bless you. And we'll see you on Sunday.